At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. My thanks for Chris Landry. My thanks to Chris Landry for joining us on the program, breaking down everything in college football and the NFL championship week in college football. Doesn't get better than that especially with a trip to the college football playoff on the line. And when you take a look at the future odds, I've talked about this, uh, you know, it seems like all week long, but I firmly believe that there's incredible value on the board with Baylor at plus 20,000. And I have to explain what I mean by value because I tweeted this out. And again, you guys follow me at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. And I feel like people don't understand what I mean when I say this is the most valuable pick. I'm not saying that Baylor's going to win the national championship. I'm not even saying Baylor's going to win the Big 12 title, or even if they do, get into the college football playoff. And certainly once they're in the college football playoff, I'm not saying that they're going to win. Anything. What I am saying, though, is that there's value. Now, what do I mean by value? Value on a future is simply just the idea that the odds that you are going to get paid out are longer than the odds you feel that the outcome can actually happen. At 200 to 1 to win the national championship, Think about what that's saying. It's saying that the team that you're betting on is the longest shot to get into the college football playoff. Forget about winning it. Just getting in. I don't think that's the case, though. And I know that Chris Landry doesn't necessarily believe that Notre Dame would get leapfrogged, but they just did get leapfrogged by Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma. And that's a great win. But it was a win over number 10. So Oklahoma State wins. They were previously ranked, what, 7th? They win against number 10, Oklahoma. At home. And that's enough to propel them over Notre Dame, who beat Stanford. So Oklahoma State goes from seven to five. Notre Dame stays idle at number six. I know that Baylor is currently ranked ninth, but you can't think of them as being ranked ninth. You have to think of them as being ranked seventh 
or even sixth because three teams ahead of them, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Ole Miss are all done. Their resumes are closed. Baylor has one more game, and that game just happens to be against the number five team in the nation. With a win over the number five team in the nation, avenging a loss that you had earlier this season. So you would finish the year 11-2, and but one can make the argument it's almost as good as being 12-1. and Or I'm not going to give them an extra win. I'm just going to take away the loss. Because... 10 and 2 with the one of the losses to a team that you just beat you can almost cancel out that loss. So yes, I know that no two loss team has ever made the college football playoff. But in a year where we could be struggling to find a fourth team to get in this thing because of chaotic results. And it might not take a chaotic result. If Georgia beats Alabama and beats them convincingly, Alabama's out. You're not going to compare Alabama to Baylor or compare Alabama to Notre Dame for the right to get to that fourth seed and play Georgia. You just saw Alabama play Georgia. Georgia beat them convincingly. They don't deserve another chance to play them again. So... Now, we need to find a team to be number four. We'll give Michigan a win. We'll give Cincinnati a win. Who's number four? Your options are Notre Dame, who didn't play, Ohio State, who didn't play, Ole Miss, who didn't play, or Baylor, who just beat Oklahoma State and won the Big 12. And when you look at their 11-2 and record, you could almost cancel out one of the losses because they avenged the loss and they beat Oklahoma State. So you don't necessarily view them as a two-loss team. You view them as a one-loss team. It's the same thing as like a team that has only one loss on the season but then beats the team that they lost to. Like if Notre Dame played Cincinnati this week and Notre Dame won, I would almost consider Notre Dame like an undefeated team because they beat everybody on their schedule. Yes, they lost to Cincinnati, but then they beat Cincinnati. So technically, they beat every team that they played against. They also lost to one of those teams, but they would have beaten every one of those teams. That's how I feel about Baylor's second loss should they beat Oklahoma State in the championship game. And so when looking for a number four team, I actually believe the committee will reward Baylor for winning the Big 12 because conference championships have to matter in this thing. And so you can't reward Ohio State for not playing in their championship game. You can't reward Ole Miss for not playing in their championship game. The only argument is Notre Dame, 
with a schedule that has zero top 25 wins and no Brian Kelly as their head coach, likely going to be Marcus Freeman taking over, or Baylor, who just beat number five and won the Big 12. I think the committee would shock people and put Baylor into the college football playoff. And as long as Baylor's in, yes, they're going to be heavily, heavily underdogs. <laughs> they're going to be just really, really just maybe double digits against Georgia. But at worst, what are they going to be in that game? Plus 360? Right? Like right now, Iowa is plus 340 against Michigan. Iowa is a 10.5-point dog. Let's say Georgia-Baylor is a 17-point line. All right, so maybe they're plus 4 and change. Give give them plus 500, whatever it is. It's not plus 20,000. You have a team in the playoffs at 200 to 1. If that's not a hedge, I don't know what is. Like, you could literally bet on the other three teams to win and get a profit. Because if Baylor wins this thing, you're getting 200 to 1. I think it's incredible value. Again, I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's 200 to 1 for a reason. It's not likely to happen. They're not likely to. I think they can beat Oklahoma State, but they're five and a half point underdogs against Oklahoma State. But getting them at plus 20,000 for a team that I think has a much better chance than those 200 to 1 odds indicate. I find value in that. That's what I mean by saying they are the most valuable future bet to make. It's the same argument that I gave a couple of weeks ago when I said that betting on Oklahoma or Oklahoma State at plus 5,000 was the best bet on the board. Because I felt, and I'm right, because if Oklahoma State wins, they're in the playoff. As long as Alabama loses to Georgia. If Alabama beats Georgia and Michigan and Cincinnati win, I mean, could Oklahoma State leapfrog Cincinnati? That would be dangerous. But I believe that a one-loss Big 12 champ gets in. And that would have been Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State's in position. They're number five. They're the next team in. So at plus 5,000, they were great value last week. That value has gone down. They're plus 1,400 right now. Still a little bit of value, but not as much as plus 20,000. And if you believe real chaos is going to unfold, and we're talking two, or dare I say three, of those teams losing, wouldn't it be something if the Ohio State Buckeyes backed into this thing? I can't see it happening, but man. We're talking about the ultimate chaotic scenario. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You follow along on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S 
O-N-A-I-R. I'll go over what happened in the NBA here on Wednesday. Take a look at what's coming up on Thursday. Plus, uh, our good buddy James Alberino, Spread Investor, will join us coming up in just a few minutes. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN holiday offer is here. Right now, when you sign up for our $99 midseason football special, you'll also receive a $20 credit to the VSIN store. Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season, plus $20 to buy VSIN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry! This is a limited time offer, so sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift at vcin.com slash subscribe. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on vcin, the sports betting network. NBA underdogs ruled the day on Wednesday. They went five and four straight up, but seven and two against the spread. Upsets by the Hawks, who are two-point dogs against the Pacers. Uh, the Magic, who are eight-point dogs versus the Nuggets. The Cavs, who are plus three at the Heat. The Rockets, who are plus two and a half at the Thunder. And the Kings, who are plus six at the Clippers. The 76ers were three-point dogs. The Hornets were nine-point dogs. They both covered in losses. Overs went seven and two. On Wednesday, under still lead on the season, though, 180 to 145 with three pushes. That is 55.4% on the uh, cover rate. If you look at the NBA schedule for Thursday, you got one, two, three, four, five games on your schedule. The most interesting one, dare I say, the Phoenix Suns are at home against the Pistons. The Suns have won 17 straight games, the best record in the NBA at 18-3. and They are coming off a huge win over the Golden State Warriors. However, they are now sandwiched with this game in between another matchup with the Golden State Warriors on Friday, this one being in San Francisco. Throw in the fact that Devin Booker is going to miss this game as the Suns decide to play it safe and have him rest his hamstring injury. So he's not going to play here against the Pistons. And call me crazy. I think the Pistons could cover this game. 13 points on the spread. I know it's the Pistons. I know that it's the Suns. One team has won 17 straight games. And the other one has lost seven straight. I'm not saying the Pistons are going to win this game. But... I do think that they could cover. This losing streak started with a three-point loss to the Warriors. Then they lose by five to the Lakers. They lose by eight to the Heat. 
okay, they get blown out by double digits at the Bucks. They lose by 11 to the Clippers. They lose by four to the Lakers. And they lose by double digits to the Blazers. So in five of those seven losses, they've been within single digits. 13 points is a high spread for a team that, frankly, even though they've won 17 straight games, they are 12-9 and against the spread this season. Not exactly the best team in the NBA against the spread. As a home favorite, the Phoenix Suns are 6-5 and five against the spread this season. 6-5 and five against the spread this season. That is very interesting. And so, I think 13 might actually be a good play here. You might have to. This, this could be one of those games where you are just holding your nose and just toughing it out. But it could very well be the right side. No Devin Booker. Sandwich game in between their two matchups with the Golden State Warriors. It's the first night of a back-to-back, so you can, you know, take it easy a little bit because, you know, you got that game on Friday night against the Warriors. Could be a good spot for the Suns to just eke out a win against a uh, desperate Pistons team that has lost seven straight games. Another interesting matchup, uh, I think the Knicks could have a shot at home here against the Bulls, or the other way to look at it is that the Knicks spent so much energy in that game against the Nets the other night that this would be a little bit of a letdown spot for them. Now, granted, it's not a, a win over the Nets. They're not coming off that emotional high of beating the Nets, but that game might have taken a lot out of them. Um, they had a furious comeback in that game. They were down by double digits. They won on an incredible run in the third quarter. After the Nets started the third quarter with like a 14-0 run, the Knicks finished the third quarter with an incredible run, and they lose the game by two. It came down to the end. A couple of calls didn't go their way, but maybe that game took a lot of energy out of them. Now they're at home against the Bulls. You got... The Chicago Bulls, 14-8 on the season. Um, You know, they're coming off a a, a win. Um, DeMar DeRozan and company looking to assert themselves playing in Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden kind of brings out the the best in these players. Last time they played the Knicks, they won 109-103. And I believe they played them uh, another time earlier this season. Yeah. That was the the Knicks beat them, 104-103. So, uh, you could go either way with this one. Either way. I mentioned both of those uh, totals were right around 210 or so. Line in this one is 213.5. You know, it is Tibbs against his old team, Derrick Rose against his old team, and, you know, Derrick Rose always shines against the Bulls. And maybe Tibbs does coach well 
against the Bulls. So the game could be personal for both of them, and maybe that's enough to propel the Knicks here in, in this game. Uh, the Bucks are at the Raptors. Uh, the Bucks are laying four points against Toronto. Milwaukee is 14-8 and eight on the year. They have won eight straight games. So you definitely feel good about them. Uh, Milwaukee, excuse me, Toronto, meanwhile, they've lost three straight, and uh, they were competitive against the Grizzlies, lost 98-91, lost to the Celtics, lost to the Pacers. Uh, last time they played the Bucs, um, no, they didn't play the Bucs yet this season. So first time matching up with the Bucs this season, maybe back the team that is on the eight-game winning streak, even though they are on the road. Elsewhere on Thursday, let's see. You got the Thunder at the Grizzlies. OKC just lost back-to-back games to the Houston Rockets. They have lost seven straight games. Seven straight losses for the Oklahoma City Thunder, including, as I mentioned, back-to-back to the Houston Rockets. Memphis has won two straight. Their last win was as an underdog in Toronto, and they won outright 98-91. Memphis now returning home to play this game. They are a nine-point favorite over OKC. I would expect Memphis to roll in this matchup against an OKC team that is just really, really struggling right now. And then the nightcap is going to feature the Blazers as a three-and-a-half-point favorite Against the Spurs, San Antonio, uh, six and thirteen on the season, but they have won two straight games. So they had a six-game losing streak. They snapped it with an upset win over the Celtics, and then they beat the Wizards in convincing fashion. Both of those games were at home. Now they're on the road here against the Blazers, and uh, again, six and thirteen San Antonio, but they have won two straight. Uh, Portland, meanwhile. Comes into this game, uh, they just beat the Pistons. Prior to that, they had a three-game losing streak. No Damian Lillard in this game, which is going to be the the biggest factor here. Damian Lillard is uh, going to be out at least 10 days. He had an MRI, and he's got something going on with his lower abdomen. He's going to be evaluated again in about 10 days. Lillard didn't play on Tuesday, when um, you know they were going to ma- manage the injury, and they won without Damon Lillard, one ten to ninety two. Can they do it again and win without Dame in this game uh, coming up against the Spurs? Might be a stay away spot. Our buddy James Alberino, you follow him on Twitter at Spread Investor, will join me next. We'll talk more about the NBA. Some interesting thoughts on this slate. We'll also get into the NFL. It's coming up next right here on The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Prop Tracker now available on vcin.com for you to keep up with eNFL props. Head to vcin.com to get current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value. Track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and more. Check out the Prop Tracker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every game now at vcin.com slash 
NFL. Scott Sandenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always follow me on Twitter at Scott's on air. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up in a few minutes, I'm going to go over some interesting trends as we head into week 13 of the NFL season. Some nuggets that can be found in this week's edition of Point Spread Weekly, which will be available. You guys can check that out, vcin.com. Make sure you get yourself uh, a copy of that because it's going to make you a smarter, better for sure. Uh, even go over some projected standings based on the current power ratings that we have up on vcin.com. So we'll go over all that in a couple of minutes. But let's welcome in now James Alberino, who you follow on Twitter at Spread Investor, as we talk a little NBA and a little bit of uh, NFL. James, let's start with hoops, okay? And uh, you were on the Knicks on Tuesday, it was against the Brooklyn Nets. You said they had a very good chance to win outright. They didn't win outright. They lost by two, but they still covered the spread, which was about seven and a half or so. I'm having a hard time figuring out this Knicks team because it seems like they're back and forth and and they're one team one night. They're a different team the other night. What is it about the Knicks that you identified that made you feel so strongly about that play on Tuesday against the Nets? The change in the starting lineup with Kemba Walker was big and I haven't been betting them that much the last three weeks and I was all over them in the the beginning of the season but defensively they had a big drop off with Kemba Walker and it felt like the move with Thibodeau him changing Kemba Walker for Alec Burks right before the Nets game they had two extra days to prep because they, they didn't have any games after the the Hawks game last Saturday and then they played the Nets last night it definitely felt like the right move if you watch this team closely because Burks first off he's six inches bigger than Kemba Walker he stays in front of guys defensively and He's just he does a lot more. It's it's way more difficult to get off a shot against someone who's six foot six as opposed to Kemba Walker who's barely six feet. And if you're able to play a lot better defense with the starting five, the Knicks bench is so good. The Knicks might have the best bench in the in the NBA with Derrick Rose and Manuel Quickly, Obi Toppin's looking really good. Nerlens Noel comes off the bench, so. As long as the Knicks can stay competitive with a lot of teams with starter minutes defensively with that move, um, then you throw in the fact that last year the Knicks almost beat the Nets. Uh, there was a controversial no call last year. It's coincidence last night there was another controversial call at the end of the game. So you know in a game in Brooklyn, a game where it's kind of, you know, pride of New York, as kind of corny as that sounds, but that's what it was last night. So Knicks were definitely in a good spot and and. and as tough as the loss was last night, I think this loss is going to fuel them. So what do you think about their game coming up on Thursday against the Bulls? I think it's a good spot for them. And, and it, you look, the Bulls are really good. Bulls are a tough matchup for them. But this is the third game that the Knicks are playing them in, in a five-week season already. Um, Kobe White has COVID for the Bulls. That, that's as of yesterday. So that's one piece off the bench that's going to be out. They're still out with without Patrick Williams. So... Again, this is going to be a similar game where the Knicks bench is going to be the deciding factor in the game. I've yet to see a game where I've watched and said, the Knicks bench hasn't looked good. D. Rose, on another level, he always plays well versus the Bulls. Quickly could be a starter in the NBA. 
And um, I think the Garden's going to be – I think it's going to be a vintage game in the Garden. I, I haven't trusted the Knicks in the Garden for three weeks. The road teams have been coming in very, very charged up. Uh, but I think tomorrow is going to be significant. That call, at, the calls last night on Randall and and what happened in that game at Barclays last night. Um, you know the Knicks definitely the, the Knicks didn't get any favors from the refs. Let's leave it at that. Mm, okay, so look to back New York on Thursday against the Bulls. Uh, what would what was your biggest takeaway from the Warriors Suns matchup last night? The Warriors need Clay Thompson back, and when they get him back, this is going to be a really good Western Conference Finals, most likely. <laughs> I think these are the two best teams in the West. Um, Suns are really, really good, man. Devin Booker got hurt, and he'll be out with a hamstring injury for a little bit, but um, the Suns are extremely deep. The bench is just as good as last year. DeAndre Ayton's dominant, and you know, for a team that made it to the NBA Finals and in a weird year where the NBA Finals was only three months ago, four four months ago, um, the Suns have flown under the radar in the midst of a 17-game win streak. So um, the the Suns are definitely not going anywhere. And when Clay Thompson comes back in about three, four weeks, we're going to see some really good basketball in the new year. So what do you think is going to happen in the rematch uh, in San Francisco on Friday? Uh, I always lean in rematches in like 72 or 48 hour spans. I always lean automatically to the team that lost the first game. A little motivation. Oh, Booker's not playing tomorrow. Um, let's see where the line opens up. Definitely a lean towards the Warriors, especially that they'll be on the road and, uh, excuse me, at home. Um, and the Suns are going to be second of a back to back, too. Yeah, yeah. So definitely a tough spot for them, and I, I would, yeah, I would expect a little bit of tired legs. The other thing too that's going to be interesting with the Suns. Let's see how they how they play tomorrow. Uh, you, you have this 17 game win streak. The calendar flipped. It's December now. Devin Booker tweeted last night: "No loss, November. Uh, <laughs> impressive month." But the page flips. Are you as mentally locked in right after you beat the Warriors and Steph Curry? You're playing the Pistons tomorrow, who are terrible. There is not a chance that the Pistons should be in this game. But let's see. This is going to be a real, real big test for Phoenix tomorrow. They're laying 13 on Thursday night. Are they going to sleepwalk through this game versus Killian Hayes and, and the Detroit Pistons? Or uh, do they keep the intensity up and then going into the Warriors again on Friday? I was thinking about that, thinking about taking the Pistons because it might be a spot where, you know, the, the Suns just are thinking about that matchup with the Warriors. So maybe something to take a look at. You say it's at 13. We'll see. Uh, Brother, if you bet the Pistons just have a lot of patience throughout that game, because yeah. I don't know if you bet the game Sunday night versus the Lakers. It covered. They were plus 10. But, my God, they can't shoot the ball. Their offense is so bad. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, are you surprised that the Suns aren't really getting any love in the futures market despite having the best record in the NBA and winning 17 straight games? I, I am surprised, yeah. Um, I I, I kind of understand it, though, So if that makes sense, because I feel like Healthy a lot LeBron of in a seven-game series in the playoffs, and it's a different story, right? Yeah, and also people, if you're not a big NBA fan and you just, you're a headline watcher and, and one of those guys that kind of repeats what a lot of other people say it's just very easy to be like oh well you know last year lebron and the lakers were hurt and you know um it was a weird covid year and you know this team wasn't that good and they had injuries and it's like 
Buddy, if you know an ounce of basketball, the Phoenix Suns are really, really freaking good. Um, so I, I just think that a lot of people like to like to discredit success, um, and that's kind of what's going on with the Suns. <laughs> like, dude, they went to the bubble last year, uh, two two summers ago, and won all eight games. They were beating top caliber teams. Like, I don't know what else has to be done, but um, so yeah, surprised. But then thinking of it, it's like, yeah, well, the majority of people probably think this one way so yes it kind of makes sense i guess i know you like betting against the bulls against the knicks on thursday night but just your overall assessment of chicago so far this season they're the second best record in the eastern conference are they a legitimate contender yes they have one of the best starting fives in the league a lot of star power their one weakness, it's not really a weakness because when they're at full strength, it'll be a different story, but they're not very deep beyond their eighth guy when when Kobe White, who's been out of the lineup for about 70% of the season, when he's out and when Patrick Williams is, is still hurt, then after the eighth guy, you know, you're playing 48 minutes and you're playing sometimes four or five games in a week. I think that gets tough. But the, the Bulls with Levine, they're, they're absolutely going to be up there and competing with everybody in the East come playoff time. Great stuff. James, do me a favor. Hang on. Uh, coming up next, we'll get into the NFL, okay? Absolutely. He's James Alberino. You follow him on Twitter, at Spread Investor. You can follow me. I'm Scott Seidenberg, at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S. O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we're going to get into the NFL with James. Uh, one real quick note about uh, that Knicks game that we were talking about against the Bulls. The Knicks are 9-2 and two in their last 11 games at Madison Square Garden against the Bulls. So whenever they're hosting the Bulls, the last 11 games, they're 9-2 and two against the spread. Just an incredible number. We'll talk NFL with James coming up next. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Friday's episode of the Ron Flatter Racing Pod features Mattress Mac discussing his $13,000 worth of bets in last weekend's Kentucky Derby Future Wager. Anthony Stabile of the New York Racing Association previews Saturday's Cigar Mile Card at Aqueduct. Paul Zilm talks about Circa Sports' new derby futures, and he handicaps weekend races. Subscribe now at iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or download it Friday morning at vcin.com slash podcasts. The Ron Flatter Racing Pod is sponsored by First Bet. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before we get into the NFL with uh, our buddy James Alberino from Spread Investor, I wanted to close up our NBA conversation with some trends. I mentioned the Knicks 9 and 2 against the spread in their last 11 hosting the Bulls. The Pistons 16 and 2 against the spread in their last 18 against Phoenix. 
Uh, Oklahoma City and Memphis. Memphis 7-1 and one against the spread in their last eight versus OKC. Milwaukee at Toronto. The road teams are on a 4-0 ATS streak in that series. And San Antonio, Portland, the favorites, are 8-3 and three against the spread in the last 11 between these two teams. So those are some NBA trends. Uh, let's get into the NFL now. James Alberino is with us. You follow him on Twitter, at Spread Investor. And James, I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Chris Landry earlier on the program, and it relates to Thursday Night Football between the Cowboys and the Saints. With the Saints making the switch over to Taysom Hill, does it change your opinion about New Orleans? Like, does he make them more competitive as the quarterback? I think it throws a wrinkle into the Cowboys game planning on a 72-hour prep week when your head coach just found out he had COVID. So definitely is going to be interesting. You're going to force the Cowboys to prepare for things that um, a lot is not on video. How many times have we seen Taysom Hill play a full game? There were a couple last year. Now he had that game versus the Falcons. But, yeah, um, prep-wise, this is going to be – it already is a curveball. Yeah. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, sticking in the NFC East, you know, Washington's been a team that I've been touting for a little bit now because, uh, believe it or not, they're actually the team that controls this division. You know, they still play the Cowboys twice. They still play the Eagles twice, and they win those games, and Washington can make the playoffs, believe it or not. Uh, what's your assessment of them, and what do you see uh, for this Sunday's matchup against the Raiders? I think they benefited from a pretty generous schedule the last couple of weeks. Like, Russell Wilson's got to be hurt. He's not the same. The Seahawks aren't good. Like, I didn't bet that game Monday. I I, I knew – I respected people who bet on either side of that game. And I just – it it really feels like it's the end of everything with with Russell Wilson in Seattle and and Pete Carroll. So I don't put any stock into Washington winning that game. Uh, Seattle's defense hasn't been good the entire year. And the week before that, Washington beat Carolina – Carolina's had Cam Newton as their quarterback. Well, that game, as of which was a week and a half ago at this time, Cam was with the Panthers for about nine days at that point. So uh, how much can we really put into stock? Washington was terrible for the entire season. Um, I like Vegas in this game, and I haven't liked Vegas in a while, but that, that's a big win for them on Thanksgiving. After all the stuff they've dealt with this whole season, they get a big win on the holiday. They go home. They get to enjoy it, have three extra days of rest slash prep for this one. So they they should have a very good game plan against a pretty soft defense for the most part this season. And um, if there is one game, I think, for for Vegas to be dialed in and refreshed, I think it is this week. Good point there. Uh, We'll stick in the Raiders division and talk about the Chargers. Uh, I'm baffled by this team, James, because every week it looks they look they look different. You know, they put up 40 something points, then they fail to score two touchdowns. Uh, I don't know what we're going to get from them on a week in week out basis. They got to match up with the Bengals here on Sunday and Cincy looking to, uh, you know, put a little scare in the Baltimore Ravens in that AFC North. I like the Bengals a lot, man. I I thought this line was going to be more than three, but it makes sense because the Chargers have been overvalued the last month after the way that they started in September and early October. Chargers' run defense has been bottom seven to ten for pretty much the entire season. The Bengals' pass rush has been excellent. And, yeah, you said it, man. The Chargers have been just consistent. We, we all 
everyone was hyping up Staley in the beginning, and it's just you know now now you see the test of time in eighteen week season. The the temperature changes. You're playing in different environments, going on the road, and you're not getting the same performance that you're getting in sunny September weather. Um, that's another thing. This game's in Ohio. I, I don't think the weather's going to be a factor because I think it's going to be like low 50s by game time, so it's not going to be a cold game. But the bottom line is this still isn't Los Angeles. And aside from that, not not handicapping weather or environment is the main factor in this game. Bengals, I think, are just a better team. I, I think I think the wins that they've had in the last couple of weeks, you, you blow out the Steelers, you blow out the Ravens a couple of weeks ago. There's a confidence level that comes with that as a byproduct afterwards that you walk in every Sunday, as, as long as you're focused, you believe you could beat almost any team in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, what about the Monday night matchup? Incredible game between the Patriots and the Bills. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning past here, man. Uh, Patriots, I... We said this from like a month ago. Like that, that was when their identity was starting to form. Really good run team, good pass rush. Obviously, very well coached. Think they could run the ball on Buffalo. And look at what Jonathan Taylor and the Colts were able to do going up to Buffalo. So, you think the Patriots are watching that film and and not going to be confident going into that game? I can't wait for it. And yeah, this is basically a game for the AFC East, and I think this is. I think it's another Patriots spot. Would you bet the Patriots to win the AFC? Yes. Over yes. Kansas City or anybody else? I would. Yeah. I, I would. Even though Kansas City is trending up, Belichick's going to have a great game plan if that's if they end up facing each other. If, if He'll have a good game plan against Mahomes. Everything that, that has limited Mahomes this year, Yes, there's they they're they're hitting their stride and they're going to play really well. But there's enough on tape that Belichick is going to be able to dissect and and craft and put together a game plan that limits Mahomes. I'm, I'm very confident in that. And 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 then the Patriots to be able to run the ball on Kansas City. Yes. So um, obviously the value is going down now with the Patriots on a roll. But yeah, I think there's still value in, in the ticket on them to win the AFC. Do you have a pick to win the NFC? Is it Tampa? Packers. Is it Green Bay? Green, Green Bay. Bay. Green yeah. Bay Packers. Yep. Think it's, I think it's their year. And, you know, they go into the bye week now. I think they got the bye, I wouldn't say at an ideal time, because it's not ideal to have it in December, but at a time that they needed, yeah. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers nicked up, they got tiebreakers over now the Cardinals, and, well, the Rams are, are really trailing. But, um, yeah, I think I think if there is a rematch in the playoffs with Packers and Cardinals, Cardinals defense has softened up from the beginning of the year. A couple injuries. Um, the Packers have more of that veteran uh, feel, and also that their last year as a core group. So there's a lot more riding on this, and it's it's just not the Cardinals' time. The Cardinals, I think, peaked a little bit too early. You know, when uh, Devontae Adams sent out that last dance thing with him and Aaron Rodgers. We all know what the Bulls did in that final last dance season, so maybe we should have known from that moment on that this was going to be the Packers' year. You know, it's funny, man. If that week one game doesn't happen where the Packers go in Florida and get blown out by the Saints, do the Packers cover 10 out of the last 11 games? Like, the market drops so much on them. 
that those first couple weeks, and then they covered ten out of eleven games. Would, would we have to lay more points or or get less when they were dogs? Probably, but either way, there's, there's something for that little extra emotional boost and the fact that yeah, we're not going to be together with again after the season. So Matt Lafleur or Bill Belichick, coach of the year, or Zach Taylor or somebody else. Um, I mean, Belichick. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's Belichick. He's doing it with a rookie. He's doing it, and you know, a lot, a lot of new pieces. And Lafleur, yeah, Lafleur's doing an incredible job, but he still has Aaron Rodgers. Aaron yeah. Rodgers is a pseudo coach. It's, a, it's basically having another person who could run the team. That's a fair point, James. Appreciate the conversation as always. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend. Absolutely, man. Talk later. He's James Alberino. You follow him on Twitter at Spread Investor. And uh, how about this? When you talk about the Patriots comparing Mac Jones and Tom Brady through their first 12 career starts, Jones 8 and 4, Brady 9 and 3. Jones has a better completion percentage, 70% to 65%. Both through 16 touchdown passes. Jones only 8 picks, Brady 10 picks. Jones 7.5 yards per attempt, Brady 7 yards per attempt. Very, very similar between uh, Mac Jones and Tom Brady. First 12 career starts. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's the look ahead here on VSIN. Whether you're. Whether you're. Whether you're. 